In Matthew 4:19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie. I'm your host, and I'm so glad to be with you today. I have one of our favorite guests, uh, people who like to talk about disciple making a whole lot, Bill Lonis. Hi, Bill. Good morning. We're glad to have Bill come and share with us. Bill has been with us before. If you go back to episode 11 on the podcast, one of the very first people that we spoke with, Mark interviewed him in April of 2019, and it's a wonderful podcast where he shares about stewarding our life in disciple making. But I wanted Bill to come back on and talk with us today because Bill is a wealth of knowledge. If you don't know Bill and his work at Narrowgate, I really encourage you to check out their website and learn more about what he's been doing for the kingdom of God. But I wanted Bill to come and talk with us today about maturing as Christians and why we need this, why it's important. So, Bill, welcome. Welcome for the time to be together with us today. Yeah, Beth, it's exciting for me to be here today because I, I brought my hat with me. This is the hat from the discipleship.org. And the logo is Making Disciples of King Jesus. So I decided I'd wear this hat today that you were so kind to help us get there this year. I've, it's their fifth year, had over 1,200 like-minded disciple makers gathering in uh, at Brentwood Baptist there in Nashville. So it was a, another great weekend. Oh, I'm so glad you got to go. And Nashville's beautiful this time of year. So what a blessing. I, I do like the hat. Uh, <laughs> perfect for us. Uh, well, so Bill, I, talking about maturity, what is spiritual maturity? What, what, when you hear that term, what does that mean? Well, I, I, I think that it's very near and dear to me because I believe that we as a church, as in global church, have allowed people to plateau in their faith, you know, all different levels of their faith and not encourage and challenge and so forth for them to grow. And so I've particularly taken this on personally by and want to go back and look at the scriptures to what the scripture says, because I think that anytime we talk about disciple making, it's always pointing people to Jesus and pointing them to the scriptures. And so, you know, there are, um, the Greek word for mature is perfect, to be perfect. And that's why I very seldom use the word spiritual maturity. I like to stay spiritually maturing because this side of heaven, we will never be uh, perfect. And it's something that the Lord tells us in scripture and wants us to be about. You know, if you go into Ephesians 4.13 or Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, they're very famous scriptures about, an example in Ephesians, it says, of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So we hear the word mature, meaning fullness and perfection in Christ. And then in Hebrews is leaving the elementary teachings of Christ. Let us press on to maturity. Well, those are classic. Uh, examples of, you know, the Lord talking through uh, the writers of the New Testament as to maturity. But 
What I also looked is a little deeper, and I found two passages I'd like to share that are particularly about growing in to be spiritually mature in, in Christ. And the first one I'm going to talk to you about is 2 Peter 1, 4 through 8. And this is called the faithful grow in faith. It's kind of the caption above that. And what it is, is laying out eight Christian virtues. And the other thing I want you to see about the Christian virtues is they're sequential. They get harder and harder, which is typically a, a Paul type of thing, right? Is it goes from di diligence to moral excellence, to knowledge, to self-control, to perseverance, to godliness, to brotherly kindness, and last of all, love, which is the hardest. And then it says, and you should be increasing in these virtues. So in other words, he's telling us that it is a lifelong venture is to grow in spiritual maturity. So I, I just love that when, when Paul lays it out. And, you know, I won't take the time today, but I think it's also important that I've learned from my mentor is that you look at what is the what did it mean in the first century? What do each of those words mean in the first century in, in the Greek? Then the second passage is Colossians 1, 9, and 10, and it's about the knowledge of his will, the, to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Another just my heartwarming thing is to walk worthy of the gospel, bearing fruit and increasing. And here we see again, knowledge of his will, wisdom and understanding, walk worthy of the Lord, bear fruit, and to be increasing. And when he talks about fruit in this passage, it means helping people find a saving relationship with Christ, praising God, giving of our resources, and displaying holy attitudes. So, you know, these are things that spiritually maturing in Christ is a constant process that we all ought to be engaged in. Yeah, it, it just, you know, a, a, a guy that I've been discipling, a pastor in Ohio, gave me these a few weeks ago, and it just really resonated because I'm spending a lot of 2020, 2021 in the whole spiritual maturity and maturing spiritually. It's just to become a kind of a theme for this year for me. So it's kind of interesting when you uh, sent me the invitation. I went, oh, somebody, you know. There, there's an, a message in here from the Holy Spirit, right? I, I, amen to that. Yeah, he was definitely working as he uh, uh, pulled this together on this subject. So Absolutely. very good. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you talked about it, and I guess I hear this, but I would love for you to maybe restate it in your own words a little bit. But so why why would this be so important? Our our maturing. Well, the the scriptures tells us very clearly that if we aren't constantly in a state of growth, we fall into a state of complacency, plateauing, and that leads into atrophy. So our spiritual mu muscles will plateau and they will atrophy. That's the human condition. You know, we don't have a choice about that. And also I believe that in, uh, uh, Romans 5 through 8, that it teaches us about freedom in Christ and the abundant life. And we experience that as we grow 
and mature in different elements of our faith walk, much like Paul laid out in the scriptures. So, so that's a, such a great point. And if if I try to use it to maybe like with um with an athlete, right? As long as you're continuing to train and grow, you're doing well. But the minute you stop, your muscles start to atrophy. They start to Absolutely. decline, right? That's the so there yeah. there's uh it's important to have effort, not. We, we, we don't do this. We partner with the Holy Spirit, right? But I, we put in our part uh, to work with him is, is what I hear you saying. We yeah, I mean, you know, it's our part to step out in obedience and listen to the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit's always having visits with us, right? It's just that we got to choose to participate. Uh, and, you know, if you think about it, think about a shower head. You know, the big one that comes over your head and it comes down like rain but it's got all different kinds of holes in it, big ones, little ones, medium-sized ones, and so forth. And think of that as your spiritual life, right? And the Holy Spirit will lead you to certain experiences, intellectual experiences, breakthroughs, issues in life that God wants you to fill all those little holes in. And we should always be seeking the Holy Spirit as what's the next thing that you want to expose us to. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned in a recent uh, video that I did is that that's how I got 15 different mentors is the Holy Spirit said, okay, you need to learn about Genesis from Julie Streeter or Romans 12 from Chip Ingram or Romans 5 through 8 from the Rosinas. You know, all of those have been things, little holes that have been the Holy Spirit has led us into if we're open to it. Uh, that helped us mature uh, uh, more in Christ's likeness, which is the entire uh, reason we're put here on earth is to glorify God by growing more like his son. Uh, amen to that. Well, so what, what's stirring now with me is that I see so much the importance, and I think of it about how it also relates to the world. So mm. what happens if we, if we don't put in effort like to mature? Uh, if we if we aren't willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, if we aren't willing to allow ourselves to be formed into the image of Christ, what happens to the body of Christ, to the world? Yeah, well, I mean, we know that if we aren't active, and what I mean by active is not effort, but obedience, right? If we're not active, in, therefore, what happens is, is that we don't live out both halves of the gospel. Right, the first half of the gospel is where 90% of Christians are right now. We know that from George Barnett is they've accepted salvation. I know that I'm going to heaven uh, and I'm good to go. The second half of the gospel is exactly what we're talking about here is we are to continually be in a process of maturing uh, spiritually to be more like Christ. So we gotta live out both halves of the gospel. So if we aren't cognizant of that, if we aren't in, you know, the one word that most defines disciples that I hear is intentional. If we are not intentional about going to the Holy Spirit and being available and uh, teachable to these issues that they're trying to put into our lives, you know, we, we then, you know, we, we can almost be in bondage to religion, right? And doing our hour a week and listening 
uh, to whatever music and sermon there is, and we just fall into that trap. And then what happens is, is the world begins building in its lies into our life, right? You know, sometimes I think Satan doesn't even have to show up because the world's got enough lies for us without him. But the fact is the world, you know, you know, they say is that you can't live one foot in your faith and one foot in the world. The reason is the world will always overcome. And so we will, we, you know, our humanity, the human condition is we are, have a tendency because of the fallen flesh to lean more towards the world uh, and listen to Satan's lies. And if we're constantly maturing, it helps us to dodge those arrows, if you will, uh, that happened to us. Yeah, but I like to think of it as living out both halves of the gospel. Okay, okay. That's that's really helpful. And then sort of on the flip side, if we do mature as Christ followers, what happens then? Like what what happens not only for us, but also for others? Well, I think that, you know, a, a couple of things that I would, would suggest there, Beth, is, is that we begin to live out freedom in Christ, right? If we understand our humanness, if we understand the importance of relationships, first with Christ and then with others, and we learn how to look at ourselves the way God looks at us instead of how we want to look at ourselves, right? We have this amazing freedom uh, and I believe that freedom is what God's talking about when he talks about the abundant life. You know, I was probably, you know, I just celebrated my 20th birthday as a Christian, and yesterday was my 71st birthday uh, uh, physically, and the last five or six years, Paula and I would both say is we began to understand freedom in Christ. So we had spent 15 years, you know, and doing a lot of fun things and good things and disciple making and traveling and all kinds of stuff, but still did not really totally understand the freedom in Christ, which is knowing how he feels about you and that you don't have to try to measure up. You don't, you know, and he wants to, and you don't have to do anything, right? And you really learn to live out the fact that he's done it all for us. Right. And that was a point of maturing is that God put a couple of situations in our lives and we knew to say yes to them. And lo and behold, it created this whole new universe of living with Christ more often and more completely. And I can also tell you is one of the byproducts that we were laughing a bit about this weekend was the first 30 years of our marriage were uh, rather difficult. The last 20 since Jesus stepped in, it's gotten better and better. But the last five or six since we found freedom, it has brought our relationship to an amazing uh, uh, level, if you want to you know, rate it like that, but an amazing relationship that we would have never dreamed of. Wow, praise the Lord for that. That's, that's right. wonderful. And um, I do hear freedom, and I, I know what you mean by it. It is – it. it, it it just changes everything. Like all of a sudden, nothing is um, motivated out of the wrong reasons. We are just enjoying Jesus. We're living free uh, in his presence, and it's it's a beautiful thing. So, 
Well, what would you say is the role of discipleship in spiritual maturity? Yeah, well, I, I, uh, there's a couple of uh, illustrations I would give you, right, to how disciple-making pulls into this. And the first illustration would be an old dog, right? Old dogs just kind of lay around and become boring, right? But what happens if you introduce a puppy to that old dog? They come to life, right? They no longer are laying around. That, that new life that's there and, that, and the old dog takes more or less possession of that young, young puppy. And that's, you know, that's what happens with disciple making. I'm constantly having, you know, new people put into my life that I'm pouring into. Uh, it rejuvenates me. Okay. Uh, and, you know, right now I've got two groups going on uh, tonight and then tomorrow morning. And they're both doing five steps to Christian growth, 1952 by Bill Bright. And I never get tired of it. And I don't know how many times uh, I've done it, kind of lost track. But it always is new and fresh. So that's one. And then if you look at an olive tree, you know, what's interesting is an olive tree bears fruit every five to seven years, right? So we're talking about disciple making and, you know, a period of years to, to get that person permanently on the path to be a disciple of Jesus. But what happened is when an olive tree would reduce or not make fruit, they wouldn't cut it down. They graft in a young twig or branch or whatever into that olive tree that brings it life, that helps it bear fruit again. And so disciple making is, to me, one of the elements of it is, is I've always got somebody fresh, somebody with new questions, somebody with different experiences in their life, and I get the opportunity to pour into them and live it with them. And of course, I'm always going through a different phase also. So it's kind of we join the journey together. But the other byproduct of disciple making is it has forced me to be in the scripture way more often than I probably would have been, you know, and then in, in leading groups and always co-leading. So I always have a co-leader is that the two of us are always held accountable for modeling out and modeling out in a, in a very real way, right? Like I was visiting with the guys last Tuesday and I really screwed up and the, what they want to know is then what did you do, right? And because I think we're known more for how we uh, handle the things we screw up in than how it is that we do it when it's right, you know, to live real. So, you know, that's where disciple making has been. You know, there's a couple of things I, I started out with 20 years ago that I didn't realize, but they have come become very, very important in my life. That repetition over and over, over a scripture and then modeling it out in real transparency uh, is, has just really, uh, spurred on my growth with the Lord. Well, those two images are perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and with our listeners today, because I can see exactly what you're saying, how that brings life back to it. And then I also can hear it in, in your own story. It's, it's like an incubator that just allows things to, uh, when you, when you get in a discipleship group, when you, um, or in that place of, as you said, studying the scriptures and living it out and growing it, it really does. I mean, maturity just ha- happens. It's not like you, 
we were, you know, we're making it into something. It's part of the process. Yeah, my great friend Greg Ogden calls it building a hothouse for the Holy Spirit. A uh, hothouse for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's good. And so that atmosphere in a disciple-making group is that hothouse for the Holy Spirit to move within it. And it's just beautiful. Mm, it is beautiful. That's mm. very good. Well, so what are some practical things or advice that you have for leaders Maybe they're seeking um, to grow themselves, but also uh, they're seeking to, as you said, pour into those within their group or uh, who they're discipling. Any practical advice? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that I would have that have worked in my life that I was taught by others. Uh, So they're not anything proprietary at all. But one of them is called the four calls of Christ. Now, think about this. If I'm a mature believer, what should my prayer life and life of the Holy Spirit look like relative to the four calls, right? So the first call is the call to salvation. So the question is, Bill, Holy Spirit says to Bill, who is it that I'm putting into your life that you are to influence for them to find a saving relationship with Jesus? Where are you putting in yourself in situations regularly with non-believers? So I've Try to keep, I got a list right now that's about seven deep of people who I need to intentionally hang around uh, that uh, uh, need to have a saving relationship with Jesus, just like people did with me. And so that's what helped me in, in maturing. You know, then I move into lordship and I would say, okay, Lord, how is it that I need to deepen my relationship with you? You know, at one time he said, well, I want you to study the attributes of God over the next six months. Or he sent me back to a couple of different books this past spring because he said to me, Bill, I need you, you know, to, to investigate your prayer life. You know, just to assess it. You know, not to grade it, but assess it. And there are the same things in there. So I think in Lordship, if you're always asking, how is it that I can deepen my relationship with God? How can I better understand God? Uh, You know, I'm reading a book right now for the fifth or sixth time called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, which is a short chapter on each of the attributes of God. You know, every time I read it, it just rejuvenates me. And then on the third call, it's pretty simple, is are you pouring into a group of disciples currently? And do you have a list of those potential candidates for the next group? So that would be the third thing I pray about. And then the fourth is, is, you know, we're called to be a part of a ministry that fits our uh, gifts and our talents, and we're to pour our resources into that ministry. And so I believe that God will place that ministry in front of us. Ours happens to be, for Paul and I, happens to be Narrowgate, which pours into pastors. We help pastors become disciple makers. You know, we have camp lighthouses and the champions places. You know, that's the fourth call. And I believe that's the minimum standard that Jesus gives us. Help people find him, grow deeper in my relationship with him, be pouring into others generationally, and to be involved in a ministry that God has placed you in. I mean, that's the minimum standard that the Lord lays on us. And I think that that's probably one of the most practical advice. And I have that regularly in my personal worship time is, okay, Lord, you know, 
tell me, you know, who, and I got the right person here on my list, right? For the people, maybe there's somebody I'm not seeing, which is typically the case, right? That was so obvious that once I pray about it, I go, oh my goodness, you know, there's the person you want to be to, to visit with. Um, and so I, I just fall back on the four calls. I just think it's a natural part to helping me grow uh, in my walk. And, you know, my, I, I always think of that term walk worthy of the gospel. I just, that is, you know, to get a well done, uh, my good and faithful servant is clearly a motivating factor. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I, I really like the way you use the four calls there. I see it used mostly as a reflection of where you are and what's next, but you used it in how to live out our uh, our life with Jesus and, and to be intentional in each of these areas. And oh, that's refreshing. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, I think it really, it, 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 that is like the, that is the resource, right? You know, I, you know, the Holy Spirit has the power of the resurrection and it resources it, the power of the res- resurrection to us. Well, if we go and ask for assistance in the four calls, with the intention of, of maturing in Christ, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will put it in front of us. Yeah. And then the last, the, the last parting thing, what, what I'd say is, is every person needs two different accountability partners, right? We typically think of accountability as uh, correction from sin, right? or some life situation they're trying to live out. And I do believe those are part of it. But with my accountability partners is we're always talking about what is it that God's calling me into, right? To help me grow closer to his son, Jesus, right? So there has to be another dimension in accountability uh, more than how we traditionally try to uh, think about it. But you know, and having somebody hold me accountable for that is is pretty special. Yeah, that would be. It would be really a, a, a sacred place to be able to be with somebody else in that way and yeah. um, talk about those things. Right. Yeah. Bill, this has been so good. I think we could just talk for another hour. You you have mm. some more nuggets. <laughs> I want to make sure you get to share the things that are on your heart. Um, I, I think that the... the the, the one thing that is most on my heart is the body of Christ, right? I, I've been very uh, convicted to pray more about the body of Christ. And so that's the one thing that's on my heart today is, and this is all part of it, what we're talking about here today, is that the body of Christ has had the major issues of the world laid on its front steps and we need to respond, right? The major issues we're feeling, to, you know, gathering today and, and living through today in the world have been laid on the front steps of the body of Christ. And it's up to us to do something about it uh, in the way that Jesus would. And that's just been really on my heart lately, um, that it, it's going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of obedience in order to respond to that. Yes. Yeah. And I and I hear that um in your words. And then I'm also um always encouraged when the Lord puts something like that on our hearts 
to mm. remember that he's with us in that, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If we depend on him, he's got it, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the good. That's freedom. It is. That's, right? that's freedom in crisis. I'm not in charge of convicting or timing or anything or even effort. Right. I just got to show up. Right. But I love that that you listen to his spirit and that he's put this on your heart. And so I think uh, this is wonderful. We'll have to follow up later and hear how the war, the Lord works in this um, mm. for you and for the, all of us as, as Christ followers, because that is, um, he loves his children and we mm. do have to respond. So mm. thank you for reminding us mm. of that. And thank you for all the encouragement. This has just been really good for us to uh, sense um, how the Lord works in us and with us and puts us in these uh, hot houses <laughs> for uh, us to grow uh, into his likeness and his image. Um, we are his children and he wants the very best for us. And I just am so grateful that he keeps calling us more and more um, mm. into his kingdom that way. So, Bill, thank you for coming and sharing with us today. It's been my pleasure, Beth. So for all the listeners out there, please uh, share this podcast with a friend or someone that you know. Also would love for you to go to the website of 419disciplemakers.org and find those four calls of Christ that Bill spoke about today. There's several documents. Bill's written many of them that are out there. And uh, use those not only to reflect on where you are, but also how you are relating to the Lord and uh, the body of Christ and the world. Um I think there's really something in there for each of us in those different uh, steps there. Um, also, check out Narrowgate, uh, Bill's work there. We just want to bless him and uh, all that the, that he's doing for the kingdom. Uh, we're just so grateful for uh, how he has been here at Mount Pisgah and continues to be a faithful disciple maker. So thank you, Bill. And uh, until next time, God be with you all. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 